Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined this week by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show we get ready for the resumption of the English Premier League. It's just days away now and Stuart looks at how the remaining games might go. Will there be some surprises maybe with games being played in empty stadiums. Also, we have an interview with former Gambia national team defender John Bass, whose career was cut short due to a kidney problem. He tells us his story and about how he's now raising awareness of kidney disease in the Gambia and how he recovered. Sometimes I wake up in the morning thinking that I'm supposed to go for training, you know, but something will remind me, oh no, it's not training, you are going to the hospital. That's coming later, plus Raheem Sterling speaks out on racism and the Black Lives Matter movement. Well, first, good to see the Confederation of African Football in partnership with Speak Up Africa starting the hashtag 19 kickups against COVID-19 social media challenge, encouraging people to share information online to help stop the spread of COVID-19 in Africa. Uh, people are participating in the challenge by recording a video of them doing 19 kickups and sharing it on social media. Well, to date, uh, big names, former players who've done the challenge include Ahmed Hassan of Egypt, Perpetuo Nkwacha, of Nigeria, Joseph Yobo of Nigeria, Karim Hagi of Tunisia and Trezor Lamana Lualwa of DR Congo. Let's indeed hope this challenge does a further spread awareness uh, around the continent. So it's back. The English Premier League resumes next Wednesday and the Spanish La Liga has restarted already. Now in England there are nine rounds of games to go. It's a very hectic programme and lots to play for for the places in Europe and at the bottom. And as Stuart, Liverpool will finally be crowned champions after fans were worried at one point that the season might have been called off with no champion. Yes, indeed, Steve. We've waited since March, but Premier League football is finally returning with the first games on Wednesday the 17th of June. And with it, Steve, our old friend VAR. As you said, there are nine rounds of games to go, plus two additional fixtures, which are the ones we start with on that Wednesday. Aston Villa against Sheffield United and Manchester City at home to Arsenal. Now, Manchester City's appeal against being banned from the Champions League for two years is being held at the moment. And that is significant, not just for Manchester City, but for the club finishing fifth in the table, which could potentially gain a place in the Champions League, should Manchester City's ban be upheld. And that looks like being between Manchester United, Wolves and Sheffield United. And that all just adds to the intrigue. Well, Liverpool, as you say, are well nigh certain to be champions. And there's just one or two Champions League places at stake. The real interest, I think, will be in the bottoms of the table. Norwich are bottom, four points adrift, but above them, Aston Villa, Bournemouth, Watford, West Ham and Brighton. That's five clubs separated by four points and at least two of them likely to go down. Each club is involved over next weekend with games on Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday and all the games at a different time, meaning it's possible for the TV fan to watch all 10 games. And to accommodate that, there are not only no clashes, but in the UK, unusually, some games will be on free-to-air rather than pay television. It's certainly not been easy to get to the stage with some clubs wanting to abandon the season or finish it with no relegation. 
Then there was the proposal to play all games at neutral grounds, the possibility of players being quarantined, the issue of testing. But in the end, sufficient compromises have been made to allow a full programme of games to be held. And I, for one, cannot wait. Well, that's the same for all of us, I think. And with the empty stadiums and all of the testing and the other health procedures and that packed programme, will there be surprises, Stuart? Uh, in the German Bundesliga, there have been so many away wins since they resumed. Well, yes, indeed. We've talked a bit about what happened in Germany since it resumed, commenting on surprise results and particularly the large number of away wins, suggesting that perhaps home advantage is of little value in a stadium without spectators. It will be intriguing to see if the same trend applies in the English Premier League. Now, the two games which start the resumption are both intriguing. Aston Villa against Sheffield United. A win for Villa would lift them above Bournemouth, Watford and West Ham and out of the bottom three. On the other hand, a win for Sheffield United would put them ahead of Manchester United into fifth place and favourites for a potential Champions League place, you might say. And the other Wednesday game sees Manchester City at home to Arsenal. And of course, the Arsenal manager, Mikel Arteta, was until recently a coach at Manchester City. So he's taking his team back to play his old club. And incidentally, should Arsenal beat Manchester City, then Liverpool would only need to win their weekend game to secure that precious league title. And would you believe it, Liverpool's first game after the resumption is away to their Merseyside rivals, Everton. The weekend fixtures get off with a bang with Tottenham at home to Manchester United, one of the classic Premier League games. But, you know, every time I say that one club is at home, I feel I need to keep repeating that without fans, there's a real question of whether home advantage really is relevant. And over that first weekend, all five of the bottom clubs are at home. And it's so tight at the bottom that one feels that any club that could put together two consecutive wins could quickly put daylight between them and the others in relegation trouble. And Steve, Brighton may have an advantage because they will have cardboard figures of supporters in the stands. Perhaps, you know, that could be all the incentive they need. And no sooner has that first round of nine fixtures been finished on Monday the 22nd of June than the following night, the second round starts with games on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Now, while clubs are going to be allowed to name nine substitutes and use five of them, playing three games a week will not give much recovery time for injured players, and it'll be interesting to see how squads stand up to that. And of course, for some clubs, there are additional games in the FA Cup, the Champions League and the Europa League. Football is back, and it will be coming thick and fast. Indeed, it's pretty much non-stop action, and in the Spanish La Liga there are games every single day up until the 28th of this month, so uh, we can make up for lost time. Well, this week on social media asking, do you think there are going to be surprises in the English Premier League? It's a very hectic programme, as I say. Lots to play for with the Champions League places and at the bottom as well. Uh, in the Bundesliga there have been so many away wins, so with the empty stadiums, with all of the testing, the other health procedures and players not having played for a long time, will there be some surprises in the English Premier League in terms of the top four places and with who gets relegated? You can go to our Facebook page,
page. That's Planet Sport Football Africa and post a comment there or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, to our interview with former Gambia national team defender John Bass, whose career was cut short due to a kidney problem. Bass was playing for Gambian club Brikama United and had made it into the Chan team and also into the full national team as well. But in 2018, he was diagnosed with kidney failure. He had six months of dialysis and funds were raised for him to go to India for a kidney transplant. He's now set up the John Bass Kidney Foundation in the Gambia. Now, Planet Sport Football Africa's Mamadou Ba spoke to Bass in Banjul about his story as Bass got the news as the Scorpions were preparing for a Nations Cup qualifier against Benin back in November 2018. We are called up to resume training to, um, you know, to prepare for the second leg. And then by then I was training with my club also. And so it was then that I, you know, realized um, some changes in my body, you know, which were so, I mean, very unusual. So I decided to go to the hospital for a checkup. That was how it all came. So after the checkup, I was diagnosed and then I was told that, you know, both my kidneys had failed. You know, um, the news was really very shocking. Looking at, you know, how prepared I was, you know, um, to the upcoming game and then you know this news just came in and then you know hampered everything so I had to I had to go to the hospital to see um to see a nephrologist and then see how best I can you know help myself out so upon arrival at the hospital I was told that you know I was supposed to start um dialysis immediately so that was when I knew that you know everything has just crumbled but it was really devastating and very difficult you know how did the people close to you, your family, how did they react to that devastating news? Well, everybody was really, you know, um, in a shocking mood because, you know, it's something that no one expected. And of course, you know, um, many, including my family and fans and a lot of friends, you know, were expecting to see me, you know, move to the, to the, to a highest level, you know, sooner because, you know, I was really going fast and then everything was really going smooth and then, you know, when this news came and every, everybody was in a real shock, you know, everybody was like, you know, how did this happen? But again, we have to accept it, you know, yeah. How did you see the transition from playing football, waking up every morning, training, go, going for your club? And of course, when you have the national team call up and just of a sudden to change to making sure that you are healthy? It was, you know, it was really difficult when I was diagnosed and then, I started dialysis, you know, I just realized that, you know, um, this is a new chapter in my life. And then I had to, for the meantime, um, put football aside and then concentrate on my health first because it's most important. But um, moving from football to treatment, you know, it was really, really very difficult. And sometimes I would wake up in the morning thinking that I'm supposed to go for training, you know, but something will remind me, oh, no, it's not training, you are going to the hospital. You know, but with time I got, I got used to it and then I had to focus on my, um, on my treatment and then thank God for today. Yeah, the rest is history. The mental challenge that comes with coping with um, the medication and after that transplant, it is really, really difficult. Football still forms a big part in your daily routines. A very big part for that matter because, um, it's a passion and then football in itself, you know, it's, it, it it's wider than people, people might think, you know, it's not only about kicking the ball, 
So I, I think I can, I can always be part of football, you know, because if you can't kick, you know, you can coach, you can manage, you can do other stuff in football. I've always loved, you know, to watch football. Um, so when I came back from the transplant, you know, I just know that, you know, I'm still recovering. So, but nonetheless, I won't keep myself outside. I need to be watching, my, especially my team playing. So that also, you know, it, it brings some joy into me, you know, watching my friends play. And then, because I know, I mean, they're equally repre representing me. So it was, it was not very bad because when I came back from, from my transplant, you know, I was strong knowing that, you know, very soon I'll recover. You've set up the John Bass Summer Kidney Foundation. Some of these things are very um, difficult to understand and because you know, if you see, like for example, here in the Gambia, you barely see someone, you know, going to the hospital to have to have checkups, you know, and then all of a sudden you see them fall sick, and then everybody everybody goes, "Wow, what is wrong?" Um, but when I came back from 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 India, the first game I went to watch my team, it was a a, a home game. The, the the park was full to capacity, and then. I know, you know, the news had spread around that, you know, I'm around, I'm in town. Yeah. So everybody was expecting me. So when I came, you know, and then went into the field to, to greet, I mean, the fans, the way they reacted, you know, I mean, it almost brought tears to my eyes, you know, because uh, I realized that, you know, they have not forgotten about me mm -hmm. because I've been out for like seven months and then was still, I mean, still in, the, in, in their hearts. And then here comes, you know, the foundation. I knew that, you know, it's no longer about me alone and I have to feel concerned about the next person who, who might fall victim. So I think it's better for us to raise awareness so that people might be able to take care of themselves, you know, know the risks that are involved and so that, you know, um, we can, we, we can escape some of these, you know, deadly diseases, you know, because kidney failure in the Gambia here is very difficult. It's, 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 it's much more painful because going under the treatment of dialysis alone is, is something very difficult because we have only one ward in the Gambia here. We don't have the, the, the much needed facilities, you know. So it's very difficult. So I deem it necessary, you know, to put up this foundation to raise awareness among the people so that probably in the near future we'll have, you know, fewer patients than, you know, people are seeing right now. Looking at this kidney disease, you know, um, I think it has to do with, um, you know, our, um, our eating habits. And then, you know, some, sometimes it's, um, it's genetic. We understand, but, um, the hospital is, um, receiving patients, um, almost on a daily basis now. And so I think, um, there's need for this awareness, um, to keep going and then, you know, going fast, you know, because people really need to be aware of, um, what is going on, um, especially, you know, the, um, the kidney disease, because it's a killer disease, I can say. It's a killer disease because it's a disease that before you realize it or before you get diagnosed, you know, it has reached the end state. So I think um, people need to be in the picture um, to know what is really going on. Well, that's former Gambia national team defender John Bass, whose career was cut short due to a kidney problem, uh, wishing him all the best with his foundation and spreading awareness there. He was talking to Mamadou Ba in Banjul. And a Stuart, former Manchester United striker Andy Cole, is fighting serious kidney issues too. Yes, the 48-year-old former Manchester United striker Andy Cole suffered kidney failure in 2015, underwent life-saving transplant surgery three years ago, and he is now thankful for his recovery and has set up the Andy Cole Fund, which is aiming to raise $600,000 over the next three years to help research and improve kidney transplants and patient well-being. He said, you know, I've been mentally strong enough to play football, but the toughest battle I've ever had to deal with was my health. 
and I don't want anyone else to end up struggling like I did. The mental battle is bigger than the physical one. And my goal now is to help make life better for people with kidney disease or needing a transplant. Yeah, tough times uh, right now for Andy Cole, Champions League winner in 1999 with Manchester United and a winner of five league titles with them too. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Uh, Still to come, Stuart on Raheem Sterling's comments about the lack of black representation in football leadership in England. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Planet Sport FA. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs too in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can listen to on our website. That's planetsport.tv. You'll find there interviews with various sports stars, including Sierra Leone's Umaru Bangura and Ghana's Christian Achu. Let's go to social media now. And on last week's show, we had an interview with Nigeria and Brighton defender Leon Balogun, who's currently on loan at Wigan in the English Championship. It's been a disappointing time for Balogun in the Premier League with eight appearances in his first season in England. And he didn't play at all for Brighton in the first half of this season in the league, making just one FA Cup appearance. He was then loaned to Wigan. Well, Balogun says that he tried to adjust and to make the most of the situation and to know that things don't always go how we expect them to go. So last week we asked, how do you cope with disappointment? Here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Adrian Barnard. Thanks, then, Steve. And on WhatsApp, we start today with Amadou Baji, who is in the Gambia. I try not to overreact and do things which will cause more harm than good and try to let it go, says Amadou. Disappointments are unexpected lessons. Arena Itwe Emi is in Uganda. I always accept the present situation the way that it is and hope that maybe it will change as long as chances are available, says Arena Itwe. Either that or I accept that maybe something was never meant for me. Mohammed in the Gambia says, I believe the way to cope with disappointment is by avoiding anxious reactions, by lowering stress and also developing positive thinking muscles to avoid distressing yourself. You can also avoid stewing in negativity and don't let disappointment grow into stronger emotions like discouragement and depression, says Mohammed. To Malawi now, and Ephrathar Kamanga says, when it comes to disappointment, sometimes we just have to accept the situation and forge ahead. Meanwhile, Mamua Jan in the Gambia has this advice. Have faith in yourself and train hard, and keep believing that your turn will come one day. Abdalajalo, also in the Gambia, has another view. Disappointment is part of life, says Abdallah. It's acceptable to be disappointed, but what's disgusting is lacking the spirit and confidence to rekindle your drive and bounce back to one's best shape. It's obvious that many football stars have been quite disappointed after making their debuts for elite clubs, but later they managed to adapt to the system and shoot to stardom. You can only deal with disappointment when you get the courage to justify your actions and honestly analyse your own performances, says Abdullah. Over to Sierra Leone now, where Mohammed suggests having a positive attitude can help. With disappointment, I think you should just cope with it in good faith and continue to work hard if you still love what you're doing 
and hope things will improve, says Mohammed. And Jesse Rando, also in Sierra Leone, shares a similar view. That's how life goes, says Jesse. Sometimes you can succeed without difficulty, but sometimes many hurdles will come your way. But keep fighting and you will surely succeed. Meanwhile, Medlove in The Gambia brings a spiritual perspective. In the Holy Bible, in the book of James, chapter 1 and verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. So from that, I believe we must count our disappointment as a joy, says Medlove. Belong Baji is also in the Gambia. Disappointments make me very upset, but I accept them in good faith and have the opinion that they do not mean the end of life, says Balong. I will try a new approach next time and then do my utmost to avoid anything that can hinder me from reaching my full potential. And finally, Mohammed Jabo in the Gambia says, Disappointments happen for sure. Everyone has dreams, but not every dream comes true. So let him have the trust that a better time will surely come one day. So there you are, Steve. It seems that we have several different ways of coping with disappointments, but for many of our correspondents this week, having a positive attitude and being prepared to learn from past disappointments are two effective ways to help us grow and move closer towards our goals. Well, thanks, Adrian. Thanks for all of those comments and those perspectives. Also, we heard from Germo. He's originally from Cameroon, now living in the USA. Uh, Germo says, I tackle disappointment with the mindset that things happen for a reason. And whatever the disappointment, I'll grow stronger with wisdom after overcoming that disappointment. He also quotes the Bible, James chapter 1, verse 3. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Uh, thanks for that, Gamo. And let's finish it off with a comment from Brazil great Kaká. He's a follower of Jesus Christ. And in this interview from our archive, he told us how he copes with disappointment. Bom, eu me lido com o propósito de Deus, realmente, eu acho. I see disappointments as part of God's plan. Because I think God really has a purpose for everything, and there is a time for all things, that's the way I deal with things that don't turn out as I planned. Man can make plans, but the realization comes from God. So I make plans, and many times they do not turn out as I expected. From that, I've been learning that whatever happens is what God wants for my life. I've been planting and watering, and whatever comes up as fruit, I know, is what God wants for me. God gives me everything I need, and that's the assurance that I have. Every day I have all I need for that day. And as far as my desires are concerned, God will grant them when he deems it right. From our archive, that's Brazil great Kaká. Okay, let's go back to our European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK now here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And there have been so many protests, statements and comments following the death of African-American George Floyd in the USA as a white policeman knelt on his neck for close to nine minutes. Well, the Black Lives Matter movement is gaining momentum all the time. I'd say that the pressure for equality looks now to be greater than it's ever been. And it's causing questions to be raised in football, Stuart. Raheem Sterling has spoken out again this week on the issue of racism. The Manchester City and England player posed the question, why has Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard been able to walk into top managerial jobs while black managers like Ashley Cole and Saul Campbell are failing to get jobs in the Premier League? 
despite having played at the highest level and having their coaching badges. Sterling says it's because of institutionalised racism that continues to exist in English football. Sterling also said that he would be quite willing to, to join other sports stars in taking a knee, you know, that NFL gesture. Taking a knee, he said, is a form of protesting. I want change. There's something like 500 players in the Premier League. A third of them are black, but we have no representation in the hierarchy, no representation in managers and virtually none in coaching staffs. We need to implement change and give equal chances to black coaches and those of different ethnicities. And he said specifically of the death of George Floyd, it's hard to take in. It's tragic what happened. To see any human being treated that way is unacceptable. And Gareth Southgate, the England manager, uh, spoke up in support of Sterling and praised him for the way he had spoken out on the issue. Indeed, so we'll see how things go. Thanks, Stuart. Now, finally, on the show this week, uh, we're giving you some stories from our archive now and then to lift your spirits, especially if you're in lockdown due to coronavirus or if a COVID-19 has brought you some challenges. Now, back in 2014, I went with the Passion for Sport team to the FIFA World Cup in Brazil. We were in Rio. It was an amazing time. We got to go to the beautiful Copacabana Beach and elsewhere. Now, my colleagues Tom Ellis and Andy Bloss went to an event on the beach for the media called Foot Volley with Dunga. So they went there to find out about the sports and to get to meet the former Brazil national football team captain and coach Dunga. Let's see how they got on. What do you get if you mix football and volleyball? Could it be foot volley? Exactly. A popular sport here in Rio, foot volley, is a mix between football from England and volleyball from the States, from the United States. Foot volley is a popular sport played here in Rio on the beaches of Copacabana and Ipanema. And we're just heading down to Ipanema to try a bit of foot volley out and to get a masterclass in it. I'm trying to think if I'll be strong on my head or my, or my feet or maybe a few little, like, chests. Yeah. Like, try a few little chests over the net. But yeah, first time I play foot volley, very excited. And one more. Come on. We've just completed our warm-up and our drills now. We're about to go for a match, Andy. How are you feeling? Not bad. Um, some of the drills are pretty tough, to be honest with you. Um, it took us a few goes to get the old uh, fire, fire shots in. But we're getting there eventually. And now time for the match, so time to test our skills. Yeah, I think they're picking teams now, so I think we'd better get involved. Let's go. Just played um first game of foot volley on Ipanema Beach. Um, it's quite difficult, isn't it, Andy? Very difficult. Um, Masters the headers. They nicknamed me Rooney on the pitch. The chest and the shoulders, um, those kind of shots, are very, very tough indeed. Um, yeah, I didn't master those at all, in fact. Basically, you have to hit it over the volleyball net. You play on a volleyball court. You can use any part of your body apart from your hands, so... That's what distinguishes it from volleyball. Then you've got your kind of um, bicycle kick, it's got your flamboyant moves. You've got one called a shark attack, which basically is some lad running up to the net, jumping, and then kind of kung fu kicking it over the net. Um, I didn't try that, just to, so I didn't get injured. So let's find out exactly what the Brazilians and the people from Rio de Janeiro love about foot volley. Basically because it's like a blend of the football and and the volley and you can play on the beach is a very like cheap sport everyone can play it's like really democratic sport like you don't have to be rich to play and it's something like 
that we like because it's you have to show technique and Brazilian always has has that thing with the technique we always have technical players with a lot of skills and football is a game that you have to have some skills but why we like it it's because of the technique and it fits really well doesn't it with beach life and you've got two great beaches Copacabana and Ipanema it's just asking for people to play I guess yeah exactly when you have like this scenario um, it makes things easier you have like a tough day in the job and you don't like your work and stuff like that and you come to the beach meet your friends you have the awesome view the sunset and you can play the sport it's like it's the best thing you can do man and now we can say that we've played fruit volley with dunga he was lacking a world cup win wasn't he <laughs> the whole event here today press event was advertised as fruit volley with dunga so um me and andy were quite excited about playing fruit volley with a former world cup winning captain of brazil but um <laughs> that's our disappointment it wasn't him was it it wasn't him, probably his long lost brother or something. It looks quite like him. He played very well on the, on the, uh, on the, uh, football on football court. Um, as I said, maybe lacking a World Cup medal, but maybe has a few football medals. I can still go away saying I linked up well with Dunga, which feels good. You can indeed, and that's, uh, that's all that matters. <laughs> from our archive uh, from the 2014 FIFA World Cup in Rio in Brazil, uh, Tom Ellis and Andy Blas, they went to that event called Foot Volley with Dunga. Uh, not the Dunga that they were expecting, though. It was a different one, as we heard. Uh, not the former Brazil national football team captain and coach, uh, but uh, Tom and Andy still had lots of fun on the Copacabana beach anyway. <laughs> well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, and from Stuart Weir and Adrian Barnard in the UK, thanks a lot for listening, and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.